Do we really believe that natural flavors exist in Mountain Dew products? No. I for one do not. Do you like Mountain Dew? Uh, do I like Sprite with artificial coloring? No. I don't. That is not Sprite. Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. I don't like... I mean, I've only had it here and there because... Actually, the truth is, I, I have a weird food allergy where I, I avoid artificial colors and flavors. Oh, okay. So I don't I don't ever really drink it, but every once in a while I sip it because I want to know what I'm missing. Right. Just like, you know, crack and alcohol. Right. And, <laughs> and I was just about to say that, you beat me to it. You know, you just got just to gotta know, gotta know what's out there. And, uh, and I found that it's not super... Tasty? Uniquely flavored. No, not. It's uniquely colored. Yes. It has For a very, speed. Very bright it's a speed energy. track. No, dude, it's a it's, speed track through your it's system. It's extreme soda. We yeah. all know it's extreme. It's extreme, yeah. <laughs> I want to I have so many things to talk about today. Okay, well, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. You what? go ahead. You're about no, to I was, start. I was going to talk about Mountain Dew for You're like a Mountain Dew I, literally... I got five minutes on Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking like 64 ounces of Mountain Dew at least twice a day before I left on, on my That's mission. That's a lot of ounces. I was a delivery truck guy, right? Yeah. And I was just in the car all day long in LA traffic. And like, that was what you did. Yeah. Well, friends, I got I got news. I'm feeling big today. So let's start it off with, hello and welcome to the Waystation podcast. I'm Randy. And I'm William. All right. So you used to drive a delivery truck and drink 64 ounces a day. See, that's the exact opposite of what I would do if I was driving a delivery truck. Because as it turns out, I have the bladder of, I don't know, a three-year-old. I'm not sure. But Is like, that in your in your older age or just no, 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 normally? Just, no, from day one. Like, from day one. And it's actually even a family trait. There's several people in my family who are it's like, we we got to go to the bathroom, like, right now. So you're the one You're the one that you have to stop on a long trip. Oh, uh-huh. For sure. <laughs> and Rachel is delighted and, and confused. Because her dad was the was the guy that was like, can't you guys just hold it? Hold <laughs> can't, it. Can't you guys just hold it? Hour so four. the idea that there's a man in her life that's like, yeah, I mean, we need to stop. And she's like, oh. All right, let's do let's this. Let's do this. <laughs> well, when you get your Tesla, you when, and you go on, and Tesla. when you go on your uh, so, trips, here's the problem I have with getting my Tesla. I'm going to tell you a secret. Ooh, you just said it. Uh, I'm going to tell you a secret. I need a car to drive for the next two years, mm -hmm. but I want. Uh oh. The Cybertruck. <laughs> oh, dude, don't <laughs> and, even. And and so I don't want to get a Tesla and then be like, the good Tesla comes out. And I'm like, I can't have it because hey, I got dude, this one. There's close to 750,000 pre-orders. Pre-orders. <laughs> now, just put that in perspective. Tesla only made 400,000 cars this year. Is that right? Yeah. So, so it's, just, it's, it's, yeah, done. it's I don't, two years I don't out anyway. Have... You're two years out anyway. Might as well oh, get a Tesla now. Two years. Right. And then you're like, when that's done, you'll give your, the whatever Tesla you have now to your wife because you'll be done with the other car. There cars. you go. That's good and thinking. And then you're going to have your Cybertruck. All right. And we're going to have matching Cybertruck since they only have like one color. Are anyway. you going to get one too? Um, have you, <laughs> have you warmed up to the crazy, crazy thing that is the Cybertruck? I have warmed up to it. I, I think the only thing so far, and this is something I think I might be able to get over when I see it, mm -hmm. is the bed of the truck. Like, is it a useful bed? Because that yeah, big, know. it's a big slope, right? And then they have yeah. like that tonneau cover that's going to come down. You can get like the... It's kind of fun. It Wait, looks fun. We've already done too many bits on Tesla. We're going to roll right, past right. this. Roll back. I'm excited. Wait, oh, I got to say one thing about Tesla. Yes, Leo. yesterday. Okay, yesterday, I, I had to roll a lot of miles, oh, right? okay. I went down to Huntington Beach. All right. And then from Huntington Beach, I went to Sierra Madre. And then from Sierra Madre, I went to Encino. And from Encino, I went to Valencia. 
Sierra Madre. I don't know where that is. It's on the foothills um, near Arcadia and uh, Pasadena. All right. It's, uh, it's on the east side of Pasadena, up right. in the hills. And it's a really cool oh, little yeah, place. Oh, yeah, no, I do know where that is. And yeah. it's a really cool place. It's I heard neat. It's really it's very, that's the word you'd use. A the, charming little the town. Art lead on my team actually <coughs> lives there and broadcasts from there. Uh, strangely, I was going around looking at things in a lot of art places. No, oh, Learn how to do art, okay. art, this, whatever. Anyway, so. That's a lot of driving, though. A lot of driving. And I did, you know, the in rush hours, right? Oh, I yeah. did not realize how much fatigue driving in rush hour causes. Yes. Like I used to get to about an hour yeah. in rush hour where I'm just done. I'm like I'm mad, I'm angry, and yeah. I want to I want to hit people. And now I didn't feel anything. Like I went up, okay. well, up now over I'm, the I'm getting a Tesla for sure then. No, I didn't. I literally sure. wasn't grumpy. I literally I just put it on autopilot stayed in one lane and went yeah i was texting emailing calling yeah. Yeah. listening to a book you know it was oh, wow. it was it was quite and, I, and i'm like halfway through and i'm going dang she's like i've had a whole day to myself <laughs> yeah and it's actually kind of nice the other thing i found myself doing yesterday which anyone that knows me is gonna be like what yeah i saw this car in front of me they uh, emit a huge plume of like that unhealthy white smoke yeah. Tell, tells you that your car is not healthy. Yeah, that you need to get a new rings on your pistons, otherwise. Yeah, something like that. You're burning right? burn oil. And normally, I never would think anything of that, other than maybe subconsciously hold my breath as I go through. Same thing you do with someone farts in a room. You know, hold yeah. your breath and get out of there. Sure. But then my second thought was, well, I'm driving an electric car. At least I'm not doing that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So then the rest of the day, people would ask me about my Tesla, and I say like, I'm not in my Tesla because of green. I don't care. <laughs> you felt shame. Oh, you felt anti-green guilt. No, I, I felt I felt like I was like, what's it called? Offsetting. You're, you, I was you are, offsetting you're a carbon that carbon offset. Front. Yes. <laughs> William is a carbon offset, my friends. And I was like, what in the world has <laughs> happened to my brain? <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway. All right, so I promised the world exciting news. Yes. Okay, so exciting news. I have resigned my position as producer over at... Jam City, the game place, which is a delightful place to work. Oh, I thought you were going to say you resigned your position as producer of the Waystation podcast. No, sir. I was. I had a no, panic sir. in my heart. No, sir. I have not. Well, congratulations for your resignation. In I favor think. of a Ooh. new position as a game producer at another company called... But not Play just any oh. kind of game producer. An executive producer. Oh. Yeah. I got, I got made an executive producer. Nice. Pretty, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Nice. No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm excited about it. It's something I've... Wanted for a while. It's something I've actually been doing for a while. Right. But uh, I keep doing it at companies that are, like, not interested in trying to grow. So, like, at Disney, that I, I was doing the work for a long time, but they were, like, winding down games. So, they're just like, you know, we'll do you a favor and not let you off. I'm like, thank, yep. thank you? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, play and Jam City was taking care of me. They're, they had me on track for that, but it was like, when we get to it, I'm like, and then they announced that they're going to, Gonna do uh, an IPO, and I'm just like, look, they're gonna be distracted. They're not gonna be like, what are we gonna do for Andy this week? <laughs> yeah. So, and someone else came around, and was like, we want to talk about what we're gonna do for Andy this week. And I'm like, well, let's talk about it. So, it's, awesome. It's good. I'm excited. I'm gonna start in a couple weeks, and uh, the company seems like seems great. Like everyone I talk to, it's one thing when they're like, really, we want you to have a good culture. It's another thing when they ask you questions to make sure you're not gonna mess up their culture. That's how you really know they have a good culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it sounds like they have a good culture, and I'm and uh, they, I know they make good games. So I'm excited. We used to almost all of our uh, hiring where at our firm is. Are you gonna mess up our culture? 
<laughs> almost everything is like that. It's like, well, if you fi- I, we figure if you can sell, you're going to make it so far. But once you get to the partner level of uh, yeah, of, of, of it's a culture question. Yeah, it's all culture questions. Like, do you have kids? You know, stuff like that. So yeah, we've had a couple we hired that. You know, you can't always tell 100%, right? Yeah. And we had this one guy. I, I don't think you can tell. It's it's a, it's a tough. It is tough. Um, But there are, you know, you could kind of figure it out. But we, kinda. anyway, there's a couple that skipped through the flat, got through the cracks where we were at. And uh, I remember one guy, he, he came in, nicest guy. And I started working with him, doing different things. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of a deal, he like showed his stripes and i'm like what the heck just happened oh no and it was bad and for about two weeks it i almost quit that's how bad it was oh that's weird yeah it was so bad that he created an atmosphere that was so bad in two weeks that um i was that's crazy i was ready to go wow and i remember my uh you know the guy that owned the company at the time um who was one of my mentors and i loved him to death and he called me up he was trying to like you know bring things down to a civil level yeah it was, i remember it was a sunday and uh, my wife was sitting next to me guy calls up and I, and he starts talking to me and then i started just screaming at him i'm like to your you, mentor yeah oh the, the the circumstances were basically there there is a culture right yeah. and it's and it's created by a set of rules that the corporation kind of falls by right okay but what we realized was in this situation was the set of rules don't matter. You can't enforce them unless someone wants to voluntarily do it because really in real estate, you have to. That's kind of the definition of culture generally. It's sort of the problems that we're seeing in culture right now are people like, I don't like the rules. uh... It's exactly what it is. But, (laughs) and the, and the, and the rules above that are the DRE or BRE. They always keep changing the the acronym, but it's a department of, uh, real estate, they have a set of rules, uh, right? And oh, guidelines, like ethical guidelines or whatever. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. I mean, like you have to follow them and their statute, they, they follow a statute and blah, blah, blah. And we realized he was following those, but he wasn't following our cultural rules and there's nothing we could have done. Yeah. So I started screaming at my mentor and I told him, this is what you have to do because I'm almost out. And my yeah. wife looks at him, looks at me, he's like, are you going to have a job when you get back? We need, we need that money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. No, we, she was uh, totally with me. She <laughs> she saw. I mean, like, it was, I couldn't explain. It was it was a couple weeks and then, um, and then two weeks of kind of toned down. And then finally, we, we just told, it, we asked the guy to leave. Yeah. And so he did. And that was the end of that. That was but that. Yeah, it was tough. It's a small town, though. Do you, do you run into him all the time? Uh, Nope. Not at all. Oh, okay. I'm at the point in my career where I don't have to do business with people I don't like. Yeah. Uh, and I like most people, so it's not really that hard. Yeah. Cast, cast a pretty wide net. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't burn bridges. I mean, with him, I wouldn't do a deal with him. There's probably like, I think I have four people on my list in 20 years that I wouldn't do business with again. That makes sense. Not bad. So, related. Anyway, that was a downer. I'm sorry. But no, you're no, super but excited. And I don't no, no. Like, this goes to the other thing that happened yesterday. So, I had this really long... Um, so I have a colleague from my past who is just a dear, dear friend. Love right. him like crazy. I've probably talked about him 10 times on this podcast already. I should probably just give him a name, but uh, we'll get there. Um, but uh, he texted me yesterday, uh, a mutual friend. Are they coming back? A mutual friend um, has received a really important job. Uh, and when I say mutual friend, I mean, we're never, we're not actually crossways with this person, but we... We both used to work for him, and and, and we, wait, well, hold on. You're not talking about me. 
What? You, you're not talking about you and me have a mutual friend. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. no. Usually this, in that context, this, this friend of mine from, okay. from my past. Okay, got it. We, you have two we, friends. We, we used to work for got we it. used to work for a guy who like who has some talent and he has some ability, and he 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 gave us some of our uh, earliest breaks. And so in, in many ways, we have reasons to be grateful to him. Right. But we also have like a long list of things that we beef with him about. Right. And we're and we're not dying to see um, his footprint expanded. And so, and so we got this email yesterday that he got this super important job. Uh-oh. And it's his second super important job. And, and, <laughs> and so it sent us, my friend and I, into sort of an existential... Panic? Yeah. Because the question is like, well, you know, what choices did I make that no one's asking me to take that job? Because we're... Because here's the deal. Right. He, I, I truly believe, I'm sincere when I say that he is he is good at some stuff. Right. But but I'm here, I'm here to tell you that both me and my friend are better at it than he is. Right. <laughs> we just are. But but part of what makes us better at it is what makes us the guys that don't get the call because we're blatantly honest. Right. We're we're, we're um insubordinate when people want us to do bad things. Right. And, you know what I mean? Like all the things that don't make us successful in a, an organization that rewards suck-ups. Um, is what makes him successful, right? So I have a question. Yes. Oh, wait, are you th- done with that thought? Because so, like, no. I want to so go on with this. off the existential crisis. I, I, I probably won't talk more about it, but go ahead. Let's, let's go. So my question is, is that um, I was talking to a, a, a mutual friend, you and I, a mutual friend of ours, okay. who just got a big promotion at his yeah. work. Okay. And I was kind of talking to him like, oh, he has to replace the person that he, you know, his position. So now he's the person that needs to replace the position that he just left. Does oh, he, he, he'll be hiring his replacement. Correct. And he was going through and he's like, you know, for, there's for some the guys. the role that he got elevated out of. Correct. Okay. So he was telling me that there are some people that really want the job and he's hoping they don't put in for it because they're not going to get the job. And I'm like, oh, expound. Oh, yeah. So there, are you frust- consistently frustrated with office politics? Y- y- yes. Well, it depends on the organization. Like, there's always going to look. There's lots of people. Like culture. We just talked about this. There's lots right. of cultural, and, and and there's lots of there's a relevant range of cultural accommodations which have to be made. You know, someone's worth, someone's a little quirky that way. Someone's a little quirky that way. You make room for uh for the relevant range, right? Right. Um. But a good organization, no matter what size it is, makes every effort to make sure that the culture and and running politics. Isn't more than 10% of the job. And if you're lucky, 5%. So what do you think is the number one thing? And I think at Disney, politics is 35% of the job. Well, that's low. And my, I like, from my, from an outside point of view, that sounds low. I don't mean like worldwide politics. I mean. No, I know. Internal, We're talking little P internal, internal politics. Yeah. Little P internal politics. Yeah. 35, 40%. Something like that. I'm a, that's a crazy number. That's a ridiculous amount. Yeah, it's a dragon production. Oh, 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 you have no idea what a dragon is. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if I were to say production, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, a business is supposed to make money. And to be making money, you have to be productive. If you're productive, you're going to make money if you have a good product or a yeah. good service, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's business one-on-one. Yeah. yeah, The problem is, is that so many of these companies now are going after something else that I don't understand. We talked about, like, how, yeah. you know, woke uh yeah uh, quote unquote um you know corporations i don't get it 
uh, because it's it alienates another person. You don't understand why you would bring in external. Like it's hard enough. It's literally hard enough. This is not just to be self-serving. It's super hard to find a product that meets a market that uh, that you can excel at and make money at. That's hard, and it's a full-time job. Right. And the idea that you're like, now I'm going to take on a bunch of other baggage. It's like, right. how? Why? Right. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so going back to our our mutual friend that got yeah that has to replace his his uh, his, his position. Old yeah. And he's telling me about. I hope he told me he's like, I hope the guy doesn't um you know apply because it means I would have to have an uncomfortable conversation with him why he won't be promoted promoted. Yeah. You know, and he's like, well, the guy thinks he's been blackballed. I'm like, well, has he? And he goes, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why? And it's it turns out the kind of person that I am mm-hmm. probably wouldn't make it far in big corporate America. A hundred percent. Right? This. I know this because I've had to put myself in a box like hard. Well, and I've noticed that you are really good at keeping yourself in that box, you know, and not and not revealing. I'm just not. I never have been. Like, oh, if, if you have yeah, to man, hide I, well, your... Well, that's a studied and trained. Like, back when I used to work for this guy, I... I did not keep myself in a box. And he and and literally part of the reason that I was like, go, I was laid off because of a business contraction. Right. But but you know, I could have been kept. And part of the reason I wasn't kept was that, that literally, I know, and I know this for sure, because they said it to me. Right. <laughs> like, we we can't control you. <laughs> right. right. Now, if they were paying attention, now this is an idiot thing to say to, to a guy like me. Because if they were paying attention, they would say, they would see like. I didn't tell Randy to do these five things, but he's on the reservation and we're going forward. Like, I don't, what they should be thinking is, I don't have to control you. Right. Because you're going to do the right thing. Right. But what instead they think is like, yeah, I didn't think it. I didn't press the button that says yes. Therefore, I don't feel safe. And, and that's just, that's how you get crap employees. Yep. That's how you get limited productivity. Yep. Like, I, my gift in production, the reason that people put me in important roles in production is, I know how to make thoroughbreds run. Right. Like, and, and like, oh, you, you have a genius for that. No, man, I have the ability to see an open field right. and point and say, run. Yeah, like, but that's it. But they, in, 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 the, in the greater, you know, uh, picture of diversity, right? You have thoroughbreds run on a track. They run really well on a track. But wouldn't it be funny if they open those gates and there's a thoroughbred, there's a donkey, there's a pony, there's a unicorn, there's a, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, and the, in the name of diversity and the pony and the, and the uh, donkey, first of all, the donkey never leaves the gate because it didn't want to, right? right. <laughs> the pony's going as fast as it can, but it can't really get there. Well, okay, I'll finish your story about our mutual friend and then I'll, and I'll address what you just said. Well, so, so anyway, he, it, you know, and I asked, well, what, what's the reason why he was blackballed? He's like, he can't go, he can't not talk in a meeting hmm. and when he does talk he does things like you know he'll he'll attack something that he's very passionate about without seeing a bigger picture without seeing how many people he's stepping on in the room or- not even that <laughs> he says that's not even the biggest problem the biggest problem that will be like at every level in a corporation you're seeing a bigger picture right because you're responsible for more of the big picture yeah and you see this in all organizations, right? The guy that's shooting the gun in the military doesn't really see what the officer sees. And the officer doesn't always see what his commanding officer sees and so on, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Ike, for instance, uh, saw in World War II, saw the whole picture, what they were doing. Right. And so if you're General Patton and you've been in char- put in charge of a cardboard tank army, which was yeah. that really happened, yeah. right? Uh, if, if Patton... 
Patton could easily say, I'm being, I'm being used improperly. But Ike kind of used him properly because he was the most feared, not Ike, but uh, Patton was the most feared general. Yeah. So the fact that he has this a massive, you know, amount of of armory that's about of, to you know invade a certain area, fake tanks, yeah, and it's a fake and it's a fake out. And what do they do? They came into Europe. So uh, the the point of that is is that he was talking about um, even little things like this corporation hired a company. They would come in and do a, a certain product or a certain thing for them, right? Yeah. Well, he was complaining that in his area, he could do it cheaper. But the thing, the problem, was, do it cheaper with the people that he knew. But what he was trying, what he didn't know is that right above them, the entire system over billions of dollars, kind of like hundreds of millions of dollars, right, saves if they do this one, one, this one company. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yes, we can save on, on your area. Right. But we can't save on this area in, in, in Asia, right? right? But if we use this one company, we can save on all of them. Right. So he would argue those things without understanding the big picture. Mm. So and in this case, it was kind of interesting. But I find that it's usually men or women who are not comfortable in their own skin trying to keep someone that may be more talented than they are down is the first part of politics. I can't stomach. Yeah. The second part is my own weakness of just being able to shut up. I'm I'm good at that in a volunteer sense where where yeah. I'm helping out other people, but I'm not good at it in a professional sense. Yeah. Uh, like one of the most fun professional experiences I ever had related to, to this idea was it was actually when I made uh you guys know the uh I, I might have mentioned I made a I made a lightsaber game. Uh, Star, oh yeah, Star yeah. Wars. We, I bought it right Star, when you told Star, me about it. Star Wars Jedi Challenges. And but but was what's fun about that project is it was like it was quote unquote impossible, right? Right. Because they came with they came to me and they gave me eight months to make that video game. The hardware wasn't even completed. So I had to make a video game with moving targets on hardware. Right. In, in eight months. Now a game often takes 18 months, and depending on the size of the game, it can take four years, right? So yeah, but not that's assuming that the hardware is already invented and can yeah, be put together. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So so, and, and they came to me and they're like, hey, we have this thing. And at first I thought, man, they're just, I mean, God bless them. They're trying to keep me from getting fired because right. games are contracting at Disney. And, and so they found a place for me. That's actually true. They, they did do that. But, I, but part of me was also like, but they, but, but, but they gave me the thing, which is the riskiest thing, which is also true. Like they did do that. So at first I was just mad because I'm like, oh man, like they're just giving me something like, you know, something I can't actually win at. Right. But then they, but then they said, no, we actually want to ship this. We have a partner that's going to pay us to ship it. You just have to do it. Can you do it in eight months? And so I size up what they wanted done, and I, I gave them the, the news. I'm like, okay, I can do this, but you have to take the bureaucratic nonsense from 35% to zero. Like, you absorb 100% of that. I'll report to you. You can look in and whatever you want, but I'm not doing this report. I'm not doing this meeting. I'm not doing that report. I'm not doing that meeting. Like, we're going to be heads down for eight months. Like you're going to have almost no visibility. And, and I'm like, and a month before this thing ships, you're going to think we're going to, we're not going to make it. We're going to die. And then on the day that it ships, it's going to ship. That's awesome. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> like, like they're, well, cause they, they, there's no choice. Like they had eight months. Like anybody else in the company would be like, I can't do it. They're, I just can't do it. Right. So that's the one thing that was fun. Then the, did the, they? So wait, did they live up to the promise? They yeah. did. Awesome. <laughs> they did. They did, and it went exactly like that, dude. Like two weeks before the product was due, we're like, 
are we just, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, it'll, and I, you know, I asked my guys, I'm like, yeah, it'll make it. We're going to make it. And like two days before it was due, it was done. That's awesome. <laughs> so I love those things. But, but, but funny related to what you just said, they gave me this other producer who was incredibly talented. So I had a counterpart who was, who was maybe more talented than me, but less experienced. Right. And, um, but also was a truth teller and a, and a, and a blabber mouth. So we, we were both known within the company as, as being the guys who aren't, who aren't totally quote unquote Disney broke. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, <laughs> you know they're not company. Man. And then I, and I heard actually the way, the way that they described him. Cause they were like, do we want this, this, this Caleb guy, Caleb, if you're listening shouts, um, do we want this Caleb guy? And they're like, well, what's he like? They're like, He's like Randy three years ago. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> they, though. That's they like a, described a, a person who can't keep their opinions to themselves as Randy three years ago. <laughs> wow. So, and they put him on your team and you guys succeeded. And we, yeah, we, dude, it was great. Like, he was because he was a thoroughbred, man, like wide open field, point, run. And then, like, every once in a while, I'll be like, how's it going? It's like, Good, almost done. <laughs> I remember the last time I worked in the corporate environment, we were I was a sales team manager mm-hmm. and we were doing that door-to-door sales thing during college. Yeah. And so uh, they gave me this area, which is the Bay Area, right? Which is notoriously difficult to work in uh, because not everybody speaks English. So it's, yeah. So you'll have whole neighborhoods. You have to, you can't even work because you can't talk to them. Yeah. We, oh, right. Yeah. So we, we were doing this. And anyway, I got, I had a couple of really high end salesmen that wanted to work with me and, and we went out and we started doing this and right around, I don't know. So this starts from May to August and I made a goal for myself. I want to be the number one manager that year. And uh, you would never guess that a Northern California would be that. It's just not, they don't think of that area. Yeah. It's not like a robust suburban crazy bug crazy paradise so uh we i was going after it and then i noticed i had this uh, this one he was my top salesman and he just was not performing in a way that i liked and not because he wasn't giving me sales he was yeah but uh, you know and to be the number one sell to be the number one uh manager you had to have like basically you had the, the most number of sales and the highest number of sales average per guy right yeah so I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, he's just not working for me. And uh, so I fired him. Oh, wow. I get like five phone calls from the corporate office in Provo. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't work for me. And he goes, what do you mean? He is what he cost me in sales on my the rest of the team. He can't make up for how many he does. Oh, what I'm do you like, mean by that? His example or whatever? It was just, he was just uh, a very demanding, you know, lots of high-end salesmen are kind of demanding, which is not a problem. You you just manage that. But he was demanding to demand. Oh, so he wasn't underperforming as a sales guy. He was performing as Correct. a sales guy. Oh, well, that's nervy. Woo. Yeah. And they were pissed. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care what you do with him. I'm just not keeping him. Yeah. And so they're like, well, you can't, he's your top salesman by a lot. Yeah. I'm like, I promise you I'm going to be the number one sale, the number one manager this year. And they're like, well, it's a great prediction. You can't do that without him. I'm like, I can. I'm not taking him. And they're like, well, well, I'm like, do you have a manager to replace me right now? Because that's how this is going. And so they said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We'll just transfer him. I'm like, you transfer him. I was the number one. We were the number one office. Wow. And That's what awesome. it was is that the guy, his demeanor, he was, he was good with his own production, but he was really bad in anyone else's production. He, he was constantly putting other people down, constantly telling other people they're not, you know, and, and, and the other part was, is he just, he was just so arrogant that nobody wanted to be around him. So people didn't like come to work. 
Oh yeah, that's and, not good. And when you're when you're doing sales for a four month period, just as hard as you can to get whatever you can, you yeah. need as much extra, you know, motivation to be around people. This this seems to be a regular thing. Like uh, back when I when I ran a comedy group in college, like uh, for a couple of years, I took the most talented people in the group. But for the last couple of years, I took the most talented people who weren't crazy. <laughs> And in comedy, and, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. But but we but we had but it, but it did form that team. Like we, we had a super team. Right. We had we were very successful without the the crazy people. And uh, but but and like I said, this, and there's also this super important guy in at Disney. Um, he was used to be in charge of 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 taking movies to theaters, making things. He right. made all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He had a he had a sign on his desk that said no a-holes. <laughs> like even that guy who had to work with some seriously crazy people rooted out rooted out the I mean like it's like I don't care how talented you are. And that's hard to do in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, super hard. Well, so, and he well, uh do you hear you know who Mel Brooks is? Yeah. He's a uh, the comedian. coach for no 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 not that Mel Brooks oh sorry Herb Brooks I'm sorry Mel Brooks is a comedian correct <laughs> Herb Brooks is uh the guy that coached uh, Miracle on Ice in oh, okay. 1980 yeah, yeah. is it 80 or yeah. 82 uh hockey team that beat the Russians the American collegiate hockey team that beat the Russians right uh, it was like oh my gosh no one expected that so you ever see the Disney movie Miracle I've seen it yeah. okay it's, it follows the story pretty well yeah which Herb, is great I've also seen the little documentary half an hour about it which was yeah just as just as inspiring. Herb was that kind of nut. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like, he was just like, no, I don't need I I don't need a week to figure out who my players are, and I don't need the best players. I need the right players. Right? Yeah. And he knew what he was up the obstacle he was up against. And in my case, the obstacle you're up against is burnout. People burn out at the end of July. Oh, and then yeah. you're just trying to keep them going through August. Right. So me, I was gonna like I was gonna try to taper it and have them peak in August because that's when their peak talents are, right? That's where their peak skills have been developed at that point. Oh yeah. So um and her her Brooks was that way. Uh, and that's why I really I kind of relate to a guy like that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't need, you know, I like like in any sport, I like a team that's a team. Yeah. And that there's not that one guy that everybody's like, oh, he's the greatest, you know, and so you have a team yeah that plays around one guy so i have this so i have this old this old boss right <laughs> who got this super important job yesterday. oh we're back to this i'm sorry I no totally no, no. Just... it's related to what you're saying and then so the existential crisis was why don't i ever get that call right and and then and the, it was the exact same crisis for my friend I was like why don't i get that call and but we know the answer like to ask it is to answer it we know like i and the, the way i put it back to my buddy was like I can't imagine the stack of decisions that you would have had made in your life to feel comfortable in that job because that because he's joining a company with fifty percent like uh, pol political overhead. Right. <laughs> like like I don't even know how like I don't even know like I haven't had a conversation with more than five minutes with you where you haven't said something that would have gotten you fired from that job. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And uh, but then we talked about it, you know, and we're like, and this is where it gets really weird. So if the purpose of life is to become the like the best version of yourself, right, with God's grace and with, you know, wisdom and hard work, right? Like how do you reconcile that with like So what I said to him is by way of pep talk is like you were confronted with should you become a functionary of a giant organization or should you be a man? That's literally what oh, I yeah. said. Like you chose to be a man. Like right. 
you are a man and men don't thrive in that organization. Not, not the gender men, but like the proverbial, right? Like spiny, right. strong man, right. right? Like whether male or female, like strong people don't thrive in that environment. You chose to be a strong person. But what's funny is why, why is that the case? Why, why don't you get to be like the only way then for the, for the strong person to be rewarded then is to build the thing himself, right? Correct. Like, or to find organizations that reward strength. That's really what it is. There but are how organizations many, that reward there strength. There are, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot. And they're not ones that you would think of. So my, uh, my, my bigger question, like, uh, let's take Apple. Yeah. Uh, Apple was born and raised, you know, on Steve Jobs. Yeah. Steve Jobs, by all accounts, was a very difficult individual to work for or with around. He had a vision. He went for that vision. And that vision was something that not everybody kept up with. Yeah, his focus was not on... I actually heard stories about after Steve died, trying to get that organization to to coalesce has been really difficult because there there was no coalescing before. It was all like make cool things that Steve gives a thumbs up to, right? Well, but that but that ca- that caused an amount of greatness, right? So, uh, you know, I am not uh, this is my I am not a Mitt Romney fan. Sure. Okay. I quite frankly in the big P of politics, I am not a fan. Yeah. I worked for him, just not a fan. You guys can all hate me for it. I don't Sure. Care. Well, uh, b- uh, by the way, I would like to stipulate that I, by all accounts, the individual family man, uh, neighbor Correct. is a great guy. Yeah. And that's the guy that I would like, I would like to Correct. hang out with. I actually have friends and family members who spent a lot of time with him. And that guy I like. Agreed. But, but politics, Mitt Romney. Big P politics, not a fan. How, however, when I was working for him, I went to many of the events that we were, we, you know, I worked for him on. Yeah. And he used to, he had a stump speech. And in his stump speech, he would talk about that organizations often reflect the, uh, the, the reflect the person who started it. Okay. Right? And he used Steve Jobs. Yeah. So what was, and if you, if you remember back in the nineties, Steve Jobs was forced out of yeah, yeah. Apple. Yeah. He got forced out of his company. It, it, Apple went into the toilet. Yeah. They begged him back. Yeah. The rule the, by the way, where this I came from. Uh, I believe where they have iPhone, I, it started with iMac. Uh, I believe it came from a joke that he was playing because when they called him back, he was the interim president. Have you heard that story? Oh, no, I haven't heard that story. So uh, Google me. I may be I wrong, it, but I'd heard internet, it. Yeah. But go ahead. No, it was, it, anyway, so he comes back and he brings it back to the quality of the product that they make. Okay, yeah. Right? And so he did that. And then now Apple is literally, I think, the most valuable company on uh, top three. Yeah. It goes back and forth There's with Arab Amazon, Oil, yeah, uh, Microsoft, Oil. right? Uh, Google, Amazon, and Apple. They're all up there. So he dies. Yeah. And a very different company starts to emerge. Yeah. That different company is, 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 is led by Tim Cook. Yeah. Who is not a Steve Jobs? Not. So the question is when you have a Tim Cook, can you sustain? For a long period of time, before it just starts falling, or because you're just you're I mean, just. I like. I think. I think. The, I think we're far enough out that it's been answered, though. Like it was. Oh, I don't think it was pretty wobbly. But, no, no, no. I heard Steve Jobs' stuff in, in in his backlog of of things that he wanted done. There was is still being worked on. Interesting. And I've, I thought you know it's like I, I do not think Tim Cook is is a visionary man. I think he's a great corporate man. Yeah. 
Which I know, was, but, but, but he has okay, turned but them like, into. Okay, no, but we've talked about this before. And I want to go back to this. Do you, do you need a revolutionary? Yeah, in times of revolution. Can a revolutionary run a, a, a going concern? And I think the answer is no. I think it's a different need. Okay, so let's put let's let's use Elon Musk. Yeah. He dies. What happens to SpaceX? He is a revolutionary. He's driving it to 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 revolution. He's driving revolution in SpaceX and in Tesla. And um w- but when he dies, there won't you won't need to disrupt those spaces. You'll need to just own them because he's owning them. Like he has a monopoly of both of the spaces. You know what I mean? Well, so my que- I guess my question is, can they continue to go forward with the innovations that they've done or can they sustain on what innovations they have? done? So th- this is what's interesting about what you're saying. I'm because I, I favor revolutionaries. I, Me too. I, I argue like on my best days, I am one. I love right. it. It's those inspiring stories for me. Right. I love what Elon Musk is doing in the, in the invention world. And, um, and same with as Steve Jobs. But but it remains the fact that like you need to find at some point you need to systematize your organization to deliver the products that people expect. And it's not a revolutionary task. It's an incremental change task. In fact, you can actually read about it in the book Good to Great. If you haven't read Good to Great, I highly recommend it. Right. So that's about corporations who already were very successful, who wanted to go from very successful to stratospherically successful. Right. And, And he could only find like a dozen in the whole history of the world because organizations usually perpetuate the prevailing culture, right? Right. So they usually just keep doing what they're doing until they get disrupted by somebody else. But he identified a dozen companies that had to take their already winning strategies and, 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 and turn them into greatness. In fact, there's this one guy who, um, was it steel? There's this one steel company who had like, there's like steel manufacturing and then steel distribution. And they were very successful. They're like the number one steel company in the world. Right. And he was this real, so they just, I'm sorry, I should get to back to the point. They described the leaders of those organizations and you're not going to like this. <laughs> the leaders, he called them cat, class, category five leaders. He's like one through four was relevant range. One's terrible and fours were great. Right. But fives were a next level thing. And he described category five leaders and and he he went to all 12 companies and interviewed the the visionary leader behind this good to great pivot and they weren't ever charismatic people except for one one of 12 was a charismatic dynamic leader the rest of them were were quiet thoughtful led by a strong example exacted high results showed great loyalty and were they were they were like this i'm going to call it like gordon b hinckley like builder style right where they're right. They're not a revolutionary anymore. And, and in fact, he found several examples of where the charismatic visionary leader guy was, would lead companies way off. <laughs> this is from good to great, though. This isn't from zero to good. I think the visionary leaders can go, go do the zero to good. I really right. do. But good to great is a different kind of building. So that's why the, the next leader for replacing Elon Musk, it can't be an Elon Musk Doppelganger. No, he's not. A, he's it has not to be a Tim Cook. It has to be a person who makes the, the great system continue to produce the result for the customer. I can handle that. Yeah. It's weird, though. It's weird, though, because we love the revolutionaries. <laughs> well, I do love the revolutionary, but I also think that, you know, for instance, some of my very favorite, you know, heroes in history are uh, Alexander Hamilton, right? Alexander Hamilton uh, of the Founding Fathers is 
before the play, before everybody went to that play. I, I mean, I was a student of his. I loved him. Yeah. And what I loved about him was he was like me in the sense that I would just say stuff uh, when it wasn't necessary. And sometimes it got me in trouble. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. But George Washington was nothing without him. Yeah. I mean, George Washington needed him as much as he needed George Washington. Yeah. So the but George Washington could take the country way farther than Alexander Hamilton could. That's right, because he is that guy, by the way. Right. He is the category five leader. Right. Like, but Moses had Aaron. Yeah, that's the thing is I don't think there's no role for the charismatic uh, disruptor. I, I think there's a huge role for that person, and I think. People that inspire the American, you know, George Washington, well, I don't think he was one of the inspirers of the American Revolution. He was the person that got it done, <laughs> right? Like he right. wasn't the guy on a stump in, in, in the city. He didn't have to. He was above that. That's my point, though. That's a different kind of leader. It's like this. There is like the, the builder of permanent things. There is the, the breaker and, and an establisher of a new thing and the builder right. of permanent things. I right. feel like it's different leaders. I don't disagree with you, and I'm okay with that. And yeah. quite frankly, uh, I would be happy working with the George Washington and being a an Alexander. Hamilton. I mean, like you're a mutual friend that just got a promotion, right? Like if we were gonna overthrow the city and then run it, I think we would overthrow it, right. and I think he would run it. I'm with you there, <laughs> right? Totally with you there. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> we could get me, you, and Tris Cannon. <laughs> yeah, we, we would overthrow that. We thing would take like twenty five minutes. We divide the divide it into uh, to parts and go after it, and then install the. But what, what makes our mutual friend great, by the way, is that he would observe the landscape, and he would create the room for us to overthrow it, and then he'd be like, "Okay, I got it from here, guys." And then he okay. would do it. You know so let I mean? me ask you about that's his level of leadership. That's his ability. So let me ask you about B, <laughs> big P politics. Okay. Donald let's Trump see. seems to be a revolutionary type leader. Yes. Okay. So who is a so and let's say uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was a very good, uh, in my estimation, uh, of the other kind of leader. Okay. And I look, you can go. Bill Clinton was a successful president, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got my qualms about his worldview sometimes, but at the end of the day. Uh, Barack Obama kind of did it. I mean, uh, I'm I'm it's a un, little. It's unclear what he did, so let's just not. Yeah, I mean, but, it, but if you go to if you get if you put three in a in a room, right? You've got let's say Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan, and uh, and uh, uh, Bill Clinton, right? Okay. You have Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, who are very successful, highly loved presidents in yeah. modern in modern history. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump was a complete disruptor. Yeah, he he's a he's a break things revolutionary. Did his break things revolution end? It's unclear. Did it's likely, but it's unclear. See, I think that you can't have a Bill Clinton without a Ronald Reagan. Uh I the idea of what you're saying, I agree with. I actually don't think that those are great examples of either one of the things you're saying, though. Well, the reason why I, I think they're actually politics, more, I think they're actually more alike than you think. Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan. Yeah, they're they are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but they both were pragmatic, lovable uh, leaders who picked a few battles, 
and then otherwise just administrated the status quo. Okay, and I'm with you there. And so my question to you is, what's the role of That's a true... the thing that blew my mind about when Trump was president is that he didn't pick a few battles. Every like, I'm like, well, he can't do that because he's working on this. Holy crap, he's doing that too. Well, he can't also do this because he's working on these two other things. Oh my gosh, he's doing that too. Right. He literally launched a 10-front war right. and brought three of them in. Like, like it's, I'm stunned at how much he got done in four years. Like, yeah. blown away. Right. Um, but that, but, but you know, that's why he's not president, right? <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't pick two, and then go around Inspire. greasing everybody and inspiring, right. uh, inspiring hope. He he picked two and and made fun of the other side, as a revolutionary would, <laughs> right? Like Steve Jobs, open, so what's this, openly what? mocked Bill Gates when he was alive. Right. Like right. he was not openly like he's just make fun of him. No, that's not good. Why? I don't know. Microsoft stuff's not good. Like <laughs> it was just like, oh, my gosh. Right. You know, well, they went after two different worlds. No, oh, right? Currently, Elon Musk is making fun of Jeff Bezos on Twitter all the time. Like that's a thing he does. Right. <laughs> well, and he does that because they're like, competing it, in Blue Origin versus SpaceX. Yeah, but. but that's a dumb reason. Like revolutionaries cannot bridle their tongues. That's that's just that's just a, it's a. It's an, uh, yeah. Now, Jeff Bezos, by the way, if he went away, I think someone coming in in his place is very easy. Well, we're about to find out. I think he's retiring this week or something. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, but uh, honestly, so but this goes to your point. Jeff Bezos is a Category 5. He's not, a, he's not a revolutionary. I agree. So it's weird, though, because he did a revolutionary. Well, he, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he did. He did a revolutionary thing, but he didn't do it in a revolutionary way he literally raised a crap ton of capital and waited well no he, okay i saw an interview no, no, he with did him. do some revolutionary things yeah right. he did and i i and this is what okay this will take us in a new direction because okay. i really really want to understand this okay jeff bezos jeff bezos did everything he could to make the experience of coming to his store better than anything else Okay. Everything and and yes. and in from from my understanding and reading about him and and hearing about him, he was much like Steve Jobs in the fact that he's like that doesn't help my customer, right? It was all about customer experience. He, he hyper focused on customer experience. That's what all the job listings say at Amazon, and that's what yes. I said when I got interviewed there. Okay, so, so <laughs> it, the interesting thing to but I saw this stupid thing the other day is that somebody uh, Amazon employee uh, delivery guy decides to you know break the ranks and tell everybody how horrible it is to work at Amazon. I'm thinking to myself, don't take the job. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Go work for like, UPS, yeah. FedEx. Was it know. forced conscription at Amazon? Yeah, I'm like, you took the job. Like, <laughs> but anyway, so he did that. So why if, why does that such a simple idea does not infect other areas? We talked about this before, like airlines. They're horrible customer service. No, but dude, it, when it does, it takes off, though. That's the story of JetBlue. JetBlue was like, we want to make flying fun again. And they did it gloriously for like five years and 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 catapulted to the top. I I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know why people don't understand that simple thing. You know what I mean? Super simple. There's it's someone like, coming in to buy something, right? Yeah. Isn't this super? Make their experience as Just good as the possible. Greatest, the greatest. Like, it's like everyone's like, how does Chick-fil-A do their thing? I'm like. I'm like, I don't know. Their, their, food's, their food, in my opinion, is fine. 
Agreed. <laughs> it's fine. Agreed. But the experience is like, everyone's so nice. Yes. Like, ah, do you want that? That'd yes. Be, I'll get that for you. Yes. Do you need an extra cup? I'll get, here's an extra cup. Right. Like, they're so nice. From the bottom to the top. The and they have the longest yeah. lines in all of the drive through history. Walmart got popular, not, not just for goods and services. They got popular because the greeters. Like, I, I heard stories about Walmart greeters before I ever saw, like, Good five point. years yeah. before I ever set foot in a Walmart. Yeah. Like, they have these little old ladies there with blue, blue vests on that say hello when you walk in. Right. I'm like, oh. Well, they still have the greeters, but they don't say hello anymore. You know that? I think that? they still do. Do they? Not at all. But it's not like it was. Yeah. Because they're, they're, the, they're the landlords now. Like, yeah. they own it all. You know what I mean? But, uh, but when they're coming up, man, that was their jam. All right. Well, if you're a revolutionary, you're coming up and you hear us, please focus on what it is you really yeah. want to do. So, back to the existential crisis. Yes. So, my buddy and I... It, are loudmouths who are who 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 have forged a certain identity and we're getting a certain result. And this other guy, uh, just just submitted all of his hopes and fears to spend fifty percent of his time in politics, and he's a gifted political maneuverer. And he's getting this silver chair, right? So then the conversation turned to like, look, we we know, we knew. 10 years ago when we made certain choices that we weren't choosing the silver chair. We right. knew it. Right. Like I knew it. Right. I could have, I, there's, there's, there's three or four different decisions I could have made that, that I would be, I don't know, inheriting his old chair. Right. 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 right? His, his now vacated chair because he's going to the other chair. Right. But we knew it and we chose it differently. So this goes back to the whole choice and accountability existential crisis. I, you and I talked about this. So I don't know three months ago, which is like, we are a certain way and we are a certain age. Do we try and make something more with the time we have left or, or are we happy with what we got in return? Like what's the, how do you reconcile that guy in the silver chair and not you? Like, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I, I, I know what I told my friend, but I'd love to know what you think of that. Well, I think I would say one, I think it's a kind of strange person that, that, could, can submit to all of that stuff for so long so that he could have the silver chair and maybe change something. Well, that would be, that would assume good intentions. But what if it was just all about getting the silver chair? Right. But there's a lot of people <laughs> that can do that. They can, they, they can sit back and, and, you know, be in the background or do the, do the thing that get along to get along kind of thing so that they can get to that place where they then, then they have the power. Yeah. There's lots of people that will do that in their lives. And there are lots of people that have that kind of, of so me, would you, uh, my, I guess my question back to you and your friend would be like, would you be happy there? No, <laughs> we the wouldn't. I mean, we would, we would only be happy if we could use the silver chair to, you know, do cool stuff. Yeah. And the answer is for sure going to be no. And that's the you answer. I mean? That's the answer. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, my mentor that owned, you know, we own the company now that we're in, but yeah. my mentor that when he owned it, he, when I first came in, I think I was there the second year, he knew how yeah. much management skills I had, right? Right. He made, he got me training before anyone, you know, way before anyone else would train, meaning like my, I was younger in the business. And yeah. He was giving me responsibilities that he would, he wouldn't give people twice or three times the amount of time that I had. Right. Right. And he asked me if I would run his company, be his number two every year until he died. Well, no, I shouldn't say every year until his son came into the business. Yeah. And, uh, he, um, I always said no, because although I'm a gifted manager, yeah, I enjoy it. I also hate it. It takes too much out of me. 
And because of that, I would rather be alone. It's a full-time job. It's more than that. As I give more, I care more in the sense that if you're not doing well, I'll spend hours with you, right? But then you do nothing that I ask you to do to make yourself better and then come back to me with this devastating story that you didn't do well. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a story of management. It's always, right? You can manage 10 people, do the same amount of time with each person, only one of them catches it. You know, and if that. Yeah. Right? I think it's probably 20 and one. But that, oh, yeah. that being said is... The story is, that you're telling is interesting, though, because basically what you're saying is in your field, you're asking people to do a really hard thing and therefore managing doesn't have a consistent and predictable result. There's other fields where you can manage people to success and have an expectation I, I, of them I, getting close. I think you're you're correct, but you still have the 20 you have the 80/20 rule, right? Yeah. Where 20% of the work is done by 80 or 80% of the work is done by yeah. 20% of the people, and you have to accept that rule in management. And I'm not good at doing that. I don't think you have to accept that rule. Actually, I wanted to go back to that. You actually teed that up earlier. Like it may be true that there is pressure to uh, to try and make the donkey and the unicorn and the and the plow horse and the mule all all work together. It right. may it, it may that may be what you're reading. That may be what you're being told. And there is some pressure there. That is true. But it's still it just if it if it makes you feel better, it's still a fact that in corporate America you still try and hire the best person. Like if there's three people. And they're all pretty close to the same. And the, you might talk about diversity, but if there's a far away better candidate, you're still hiring that candidate, man. I agree with you. And I'm not saying, I'm not <clears throat> saying that woke diversity is a problem because I, I don't think necessarily that is because to me, it doesn't matter what color, what race, what religion, what, sure. what sexual preference, what or the way you dress, what you think you are, what you don't think you are. If you can produce over someone else, I got no problem with it. No, but man, that's, that's if you're going to whole... hire me, you got to allow me to pr- produce a team that can look maybe different from what you think it should look, but it will produce better than. See, that's fascinating that you say that. That's 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 the same thing that I always think. That's I think I wonder if this is a disruptor's point of view, but I'm always assuming that if I get to build the team, I'm going to I'm going to find a bunch of unexpected. Yes. Producers. Yes. And get crazy results because yes. that's what I've done in the past. Right. But. <laughs> but at places like Disney, they don't want unexpected. No, they I, want you to hire the people that get, like they went to this grad school. They dress this way. They talk this way. Yes. They are yes. comfortable in this environment. And but I'm you, like, you keep talking about the higher side of it, though. When you're on management, the hardest part is the fire side. It's not the higher side. The higher side, you can you can in a lot of ways start using some of your own ideas to pick the right people, right? Yeah. We in my business, right? We yeah. consistently saw a better production out of someone from Northridge than we did from USC. Yeah. Consistently, that, that makes sense. Consistently, right? We also found better production from a kid from Northridge than someone that came in with a master's degree or a law degree. Consistently, yeah, for sure, right? Because those are people that think that you can succeed within a system, and and you have a job that requires you to succeed with no guardrails, right? Exactly, and and so the question is: Is Northridge really the um? Is Northridge really the 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 difference here? No, it's not. There's other factors, but you can hire someone in that scenario. But when you're managing, the key is firing, and what they do if you're managing a team is they take it away and they give it to the people team. 
Yeah, you, you don't have the ability to let someone you go. You can't trim in an organization. your team. No, you dude. You can't I, trim your team. That's one thing I know for sure. You can't bench a guy because he's not <laughs> producing. You can't bench a guy. Here's a good example, right? You have a team. This one guy, he's always been a great producer for you. He gets a divorce. Yeah. He's going to be freaking useless. For yeah. how long? Usually a year. Yeah. That's like anyone that's been in management knows. A minimum of a year of a guy that gets divorced. Yeah. Whether he, it was him initiating the divorce or... Or he, or her. Doesn't matter. It's doesn't a really matter. disruptive life event that exactly it takes all your focus. Why can't I bench him? Yeah. Now, oh, you don't want to bench the guy. The guy's been through a lot. Well, then put him in something that doesn't have to do much. Right. Because right now I got to push a bunch of thoroughbreds. You just asked me to do something <laughs> eight months, right? Then yeah. don't give me unicorns. <laughs> give me thoroughbreds. Let me let me work them as hard. They're not all going to finish at the same time because all thoroughbreds are a little bit stronger in different areas. Right. But in the end, the amount of horsepower. Oh, you got it. You brought it in. <laughs> that you're going to push up against the, uh, across the finish line, right? You can't tow a donkey across the finish line and expect a great result. You can't mess up the track. Dude. I feel like I'm. I feel like we got there. We got there. That's what you tell Amen, you. brother. Uh, so, yeah. So, look, we are going to be accountable for our choices, but we're, the thing that I have discovered of late and that I. The, told to, by way of pep talk to my friend who is a lot younger than me <clears throat> is that we still have time while uh, part of aging is to accept what you are and accept what you aren't that doesn't mean that you stop like i'll never be a successful librarian <laughs> like, I just, right i just won't right right so i accept that about myself but that doesn't mean that these things that i have that are weaknesses that i'm not going to try and still make those strengths i think you can I but you, you just can. you just made a move, right? And that move, I think, is into your strengths. And at the end of the day, it sounds to me that the person you're going to be reporting to can make decisions, and he's trying yes. to build his team. I made a huge move, right? Yeah. And that if if that guy, right, who's running the whole thing, wants yeah. you on his team on the inner circle, yes, then you know you're in a place where, and you may be with a guy, right? Yes. you may you may be. I deliberately chose a, t a company that was small enough. That they're still kind of disruptive. Yeah, I did. Because well, 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 there's, there. there's another part to this. Remember, because I don't know if you know the history of George Washington. George Washington didn't get Alexander Hamilton until the war was like not going to be like we were going to lose. Okay. He needed a guy that he needed a disruptor to really make it upsetting up in Washington. wasn't Washington at the time, but, yeah. you know, up in Congress, he needed to make it upsetting. And he found Hamilton to be his guy. You know who the other one they interviewed for, according to the play, was Burr. You know, he was looking at other people disruptive yeah. around the same, or not disruptive, but around the same, you know, level. And what, and what does that mean to you? What that means to me is that a guy at the top, like a George Washington yeah. or a president of the company that you're, that you're going to, yes. right, looks, at, looks around and see, he has a good view of what it is he has and what he doesn't have. Mm -hmm. And he knows what he needs, okay. right? So he goes to a guy and says, I know what I need. And they say, well, explain it to me. I don't know. I got to find him. And then they find the Randy Davis and he says, this is the guy I need. If this guy's on our team, right, in the inner circle, we're going to make some great stuff. I can be the president. He can do all this other stuff and we're going to go far. And that's to me, at least from the outside and the way you've explained it, that's the kind of guy that you are going to work with. That's what I, and that's what I hope to get. Well, I believe that, uh, I believe that at any age you can reach for something better, a better version of yourself. I totally agree with that. And by the way, I always, as my, you know, I, people think 
you know, I've, I've said this before. People think I think I'm always right. No, sure. I'm a salesman. Right. I act as if I, I either have right. or know or can get the answer. Often wrong, but never in doubt. Correct. <laughs> Often wrong, but never in doubt. And I'm okay with being wrong. I tell anyone, Google me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'll, but I'll fight to the death until I'm proven otherwise. Friends, this has been a, a vigorous. A vigorous. <laughs> exciting. Exciting episode of the Waystation Podcast. I'm Randy. I'm William. Go do your best. Be strong. <laughs> Boy, that was a terrible way to go do you there. Be strong. I'm going to try and close that again. <laughs> this has been the Waystation Podcast. I'm Randy. And I'm William. Go do something great. <laughs> <laughs>